Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations, a free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legend Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. There's the talented ones, then there's guys like this, simply amazing. Try and describe this one in just a paragraph. It's impossible. A game breaker, a footballing magician, and one that made it look just so easy. But who is Michael O'Connor? Michael O'Connor is the son of a school teacher who grew up by and large in Canberra from the age of six to 19. Um, My mother uh, is from the bush, uh, country family, country folk from the Forbes area, uh, and uh, that happened to be where my father was teaching. Uh, um, subsequently, uh, they married, moved to Nowra on the south coast of New South Wales, uh, where I spent the first six years of my life before my father got a job in Canberra, and uh, I spent from the age of six to nearly 20 uh, in Canberra. Uh, and that was, they were the formative years of my life. Uh, and, um, probably, and I, this, I hope this doesn't, uh, sound nasty, but Canberra was a big motivation for me to, tr- to want to travel. Uh, mm. I, I, you know, really, uh, it was a great city to, to grow up in, in, in that the schools were great, the facilities, sporting facilities. I lived across the road from an oval. And I spent hours and hours uh, playing sport, uh, but it really gave me that. Uh, I think living in Canberra really are the cold winters, and uh, really gave me that impetus to want to travel and see the world. Yeah. Short question, probably not a short answer. Are you a rugby league guy or are you a rugby union guy? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, look, the more. People ask me, you know, that's it, probably the most common question I get. What, what do I do? You, do you like which game? Do you prefer rugby union yeah. or rugby league? Honestly, I I enjoyed them both immensely and still do. 
I think I was a better rugby league player because of I was more of a um, a finisher, um, yep. not so much a creator. And there weren't as many defenders. Uh, there aren't there aren't as many defenders on the field, so I had more opportunity ball in hand than I had when I was playing rugby. Uh, rugby has other things that rugby league doesn't have, like mm. the, the trips overseas. Uh, you know, the red carpet treatment, visiting Buckingham Palace, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so culturally, very very different there. Um, but when it boils down to it, the players aren't a lot. Uh, there's not a lot of difference. You know, they they, they enjoy um, a camaraderie. People play team sports because they like playing. You know, they're not individuals basically, yep. and uh, so you you build friendships. Uh, and I built a lot of friendships in both rugby league and rugby union. Yeah. So there's the question that's been asked the most. Is there a logical question that you've never been asked, and you think? Why not? Uh, no, no, that is a good question, but not really. I think that uh, there's there, there's a lot of hard work goes into uh, you know reaching the top of your sport in your country, yeah. and but also there's a fair bit of luck that sort of has to fall your way. And you know, I look back on my childhood, and I had a horrific car accident with my father. Um, I had an incident when I was uh, only about nine or ten at the uh, Olympic swimming pool in Canberra where somebody jumped off a, a tower and uh, ended up with the knees in my back. Um, and I was in hospital paral. I can remember just floating down to the bottom of the pool and uh, I was paralysed. And, uh, and the doctor saying a couple of days afterwards, uh, you know, it, it was so close. You, know, you were so close to becoming, uh, you know, a, a cripple. So you you look at I mean life is uh, it's, it's hazardous and uh, you've got to and I, I think I've been lucky I've had a good road I uh, had a great career in uh, in rugby union I got to travel and see the world and and I was very fortunate uh, when I made my crossover to St George and subsequently Manly I played with good teams and uh, had good players around me and um, and uh, you know I, I had really. Uh, you know, I had a great career. No, no regrets at all. By the sounds of things, you used up a lot of your luck as a as a child between the car accident and the swimming pool accident. Yeah, I did, and I thought I've always sort of I've been a bit lucky in life. I think I've just been able to pull my foot out of the door at the right time, and uh, and that goes for everything really. Uh, you know, moving up here when I finished playing football, my wife was from Queensland, so. That was a natural thing to do after she'd spent 10 years down in Sydney. Uh, we've really enjoyed uh, living up here for nearly 25, 26 years, uh, raising a family. Uh, my kids are all grown up now. My youngest is uh, 20, 28, 29. They've all got, they're all a lot smarter than their dad. Uh, uh, they've all, all got great educations. And uh, so I've, I've, been, I've been fortunate. I've, I'm one of the lucky ones. Uh, I took a few head knocks uh, when I was playing, and mm. uh, I don't know how that's all going to play out. But uh, so, apologies in this interview if uh, <laughs> if I forget things. Side note: Michael and I are neighbours up here on the beautiful sunshine coast of Queensland. Do you get used to the Queenslanders? Does the sledging still continue all these years later at Origin time? Yeah, uh, it can be. Uh, 
can well, it's cost me a lot of uh, a lot of cases of beer over the years. I know that, <laughs> um, but I'm pretty immune to it now. Yeah. Um, it's all good natured stuff, and it's great. I, I mean, I love it. There's nothing more exciting than watching a, a state of origin, and um, you know, um, I think that uh, the fact that I uh, when people meet me for the first time and I get that sort of oh. You know, if they're que- from Queensland, oh, you, you know, you're the bastard that you know yeah. kicked that goal in 1991. I don't get that in New South Wales. I get a, a, a lot sort of warmer reception for yeah. people first up, uh, but then you know, it's all it's all good. Let's go back to the start, mate. Now, I think the start here athletically is the '77 Australian schoolboys rugby side that that toured France, Great Britain, and Japan. They were the original Invincibles before the Rugby League side of 82. Quite possibly the greatest assembly of youngsters, any code that we'd seen. What are your fondest memories or moments from the schoolboys tour of 77, 78? Well, it was just uh, that whole thing of getting out of Canberra and mm. uh, seeing the world. Uh, you know, Canberra was, uh, I just became, um, you know, I just. Uh, it was full of embassies and, uh, you know, I was just looking for ways, looking for ways to, to, to see the world. And, yeah. and this was a great opportunity, a one, a one off, like uh, a tour to the Northern Hemisphere. And we went to Japan and we went to Holland. We went to France, uh, all through the British Isles for a couple of months. And it was a trip of a lifetime. And so I worked really hard to, uh, make sure I got on that and nearly didn't. Um, I, Played in a um, in a game that basically was going to decide uh, who the inside centre was going to be for the tour, mm. um, and uh, my opponent was Wally Lewis, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and I'd never played Wally before, mm. and uh, it was just such I was just it was a real good lesson for me because he he totally intimidated me from not shaping my hand. We're both captains of our to- uh, respective captains of our teams, yeah. wouldn't shake hands at the start, and. Uh, uh, and then, you know, for the whole game, whether I passed the ball, held the ball, he'd, he'd take me out every, you know, every time. He'd verbal me. He just uh, absolutely outplayed me. But I did get another chance to uh, redeem myself in a, in a possible's probables, uh, game. Uh, and I, and I just squeezed in that tour. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was a good experience. And, but that whole, uh, that team, it's interesting what you say because, uh, there was a sporting magazine and this goes back 15 or 20 years now, I think 15 years ago, because we meet, uh, we have reunions every couple of years, every five years mm. at least. And uh, Bob Wallace, our manager, uh, had a, an article, uh, Sports Illustrated, one of the big magazines, in, mm. in uh, and they, they named the top uh, 50 all-time, uh, an international magazine, all-time sporting teams, and we came in in like 47th or 48th or something. Schoolboys. Of so all time, yeah. Wow. So it was... When you when you have a look at that, the results we we achieved and uh, the players that came from that, uh, you had the three Ella brothers, uh, mm-hmm. Wally Lewis, just a uh, Tony uh, Milrose, the skipper. Tony was the skipper, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's, yeah, and you know Michael Hawker, uh, just a mm-hmm. wonderful array of players who went on to have uh, great careers, leaders. Uh, Michael Maxwell, who went into business, and mm. uh, we all just went out on. Uh, He's uh, he invited uh, half a dozen of us recently. He's got a he's just built a resort on Lord Howe Island, and uh, 
So it's interesting where, where players end up. Uh, so yeah, no, it's a really interesting, good crew of guys. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations. A free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. Australian rugby senior level anyway wasn't in great, great shape. You guys and the running style of football mixed with your athleticism were very much, even as kids, seen as the saviours. There's some pressure for a young group of men. Yeah, but that was good pressure. I, we, we, were, we were young and keen, and particularly after that, having success in uh, on, on the schoolboy tour, I was really keen to sort of hook up with the Yellow Boys again and mm. uh, Michael Hawker, which we did in 81 uh, yep. in the Bledisloe. Uh and it was great, you know. It was a real fresh, uh, breath of fresh air. Really, um, we played running rugby, and uh, we were able to pick up the Bledisloe for the first time in twenty something years, twenty seven years or something. Thirteen tests for the Wallabies, Mick. It was a wonderful time between seventy nine and eighty two for Australian rugby. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and then and it all kicked off with me. Uh, I got selected to go to Argentina, and it was a possibles probables game uh, that that, uh, and I can. Still remember uh, hearing my name read out afterwards. You know, like uh, I was only nineteen. Uh, I think the second youngest ever Wallaby to be selected. Uh, but once again, coming from Canberra and uh, you know, and 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 playing this possibles probables, and then they na- announced the side afterwards, and just hearing your name, uh, you're on the plane to Argentina, and you know, back then in 1979, it was just such a Oh, just just an adventure, yeah. you know, to go to a country like Argentina. There was a military rule over there. Mm. It took us two days to get there. We had to go up through America and Colombia and all these places, <laughs> Bogota, and uh, and um, it was just fascinating back then. Uh, and to see, you know, where rugby was being played as well, mm. and we were getting big crowds. Uh, um, so uh, that was a great experience. You talk with such positivity about the union days. Obviously, the memories are great. So I do have to ask, why the code switch? Why league in 83? Was it very simply a business decision? Yeah, it was, really. Yep. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, Roy Masters had come up and uh, made me an offer the year before. And I knocked it back because we had that uh, British Isles tour yep. in 81. And uh, I subsequently went on that. It wasn't – we ended up having a pretty uh, – Oh, it wasn't disappointing, but we only we won the one test match, and that was in Ireland. The final game was uh, rained out, snowed out. Sorry, um, the Barbarians match, and it was a pretty sort of. There was a lot of controversy on the tour and injuries. I got mm. injured, and then the following year, uh, Roy made me another offer, and it was just you know like I was a I was pulling beers at the Paddington Hotel and putting myself through university. Like I wasn't getting any money at all playing rugby union in Brisbane, and. Uh, the money back then at the time, it was like 
I think it was forty thousand uh, dollars. You know, and and forty thousand dollars back in the yeah you know, the, in the mid serious dollars. Oh, it was. It was just uh, I couldn't knock it back. So the one thing that I did say to Roy was, look, um, the only thing that's holding me back here is. Uh, is travel like you know it's because Sydney the Sydney competition the Winfield Cup was very much a Sydney suburban competition back then and yeah you mate first travel down the highway to Canberra and that was it well not even Canberra Canberra weren't in uh when I uh, uh, now no, they come in in 82 82 they had yeah, yeah you're right actually um okay so we yeah Canberra would have been by far and away we're about to Penrith yeah so I said to Roy look um yeah, you know, that that's the thing that's holding me back is uh, really enjoy my travel. And yeah, yeah. Uh, he said, "Oh, well, mate, don't worry about that." He said, "We go to Hawaii, and uh, last year the boys went to Hawaii, and always a good end of season trip." And that was that was it for me. I signed on the dotted line, and then our trip to Hawaii got cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> we had all of our uh, trip away funds in the Nugent Hand Bank, and uh, and it went belly up. So oh. the following year, I got onto the trip away committee with. Uh, um, with Graham Wynn and yep. um, he was working for Penfolds at the time and uh, and so was I and we decided we'd uh, we went to the MD and he allocated some uh, cases of Penfolds for us to sell and and every player had to sell two cases and uh, it was enough to get us to Rio so we ended Expensive up going well we ended up going to uh, we took um, 40 odd players to Rio de Janeiro in 1986 87 on an end-of-season se- trip. There was no Rugby World Cup back then. The The Cup started in 87, if I'm correct. Mm. Had there been a World Cup to aspire to, would have you stayed in Rugby Union, perhaps? Mm, I haven't re- no, I haven't really thought of that. I Probably not, no. Yeah. No, there, there was just an opportunity then and there to... to... to um, and... and Really, like once I made that decision, um, look, I, I haven't looked back, and yep. uh, yeah, that's and that's how life is, isn't it? You've got to make a decision and move on, and um, but I don't think so. I think rugby, rugby still didn't. It wasn't professional until 1995, So yeah. you'd I, still be pulling beers at the paddo. I'd still be pulling beers at the paddo. Yeah, March 13, nineteen eighty three. Cogra Oval, 6,476 fans. Martin Weeks was the referee. It was St George Western Suburbs. And you were in jersey number 14 on debut. You did score a try as we sit here some 38 years later. What do you remember of debut day? Oh, very nervous. Um, Funny, you know, I had uh, that game... um, I, 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 I got tackled and just, uh, released the ball. Uh, it was, you know, automatic. it was just, it was just an automatic thing yeah. that I come, coming from rugby. And, uh, I remember the look I got from Rod Reddy. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, but we, um, yeah, they, they, they were really good days. Uh, St. George and the, um, the, the we, we definitely had the toughest forward pack in the competition. Like, um, and and it was good to have play with guys like Craig Young and Rocket Ready, uh, Robert Stone. Unfortunately, he's passed away, yep. but uh, there's Graham Wynn. We had a really strong forward pack, and and that made things easier. Um, 
But I think we, in in hindsight, when I look at my my years at St George, we probably relied too much on our forwards, yeah. and uh, and moving over to Manly. Um, it was a, a there's a lot more freedom to sort of throw the ball early in the tackle count and uh, and that was a big reason uh, why I went in, I finally did go to Manly in, in in 87. What were the differences on and importantly off the field between the codes that you noticed? League was very much the blue collar game culture and environment. Uh, union seemed very much as the white collar. Was there an adjustment that needed to be made? Yeah, I think uh, an adjustment from me, yeah. Also, uh, like a lot of people just think because you come from rugby, uh, if you're a rugby league player, that you must be a doctor or a lawyer or uh, – yeah. And when when they find out that you're not, that you that you you don't mind a beer and a punt and uh, you know the things that and basically footballers are the same. They talk about the same things afterwards yep. about the game and uh, they'd like to um, you know have a few beers and yeah. um, embellish, yeah, embellish, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, uh, no, I I, I I was just I suppose there was uh, but there was a little and and, and you'd cop it a little bit, uh, you know. Mm. The, the white collar stuff, and yeah. when they find out, they really, you know, like you just, like, you're not. Name. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was pulling beers at the pub at the at the Paddington Hotel, and I was going to be a school teacher, uh, but I never quite uh, finished that. I, I did my degree, but I didn't do my teaching yeah. uh, year. But um, that would have been another life. Yeah. You'd play 78 games for the Dragons between 1983 and 86, 33 tries, 130 goals, and a grand final appearance in 85 against the original Dogs of War. Tough, nasty, and mean. That was their reputation. Were they the toughest side, perhaps, that you faced? I reckon they were, you know. Uh, <clears throat> apart from the... Fer- the ferociousness of the the All Blacks that you, you know you, you, yeah. you get from them, uh, I reckon the Bulldogs back in the eighties. Well, here you go. I don't think, and I'm sure, apart from a trial match that I played at Manly in my first year at Manly, mm. I never won in ten years. I never won a game at Belmore. Wow! And uh, it was just such a f- uh, fortress for them, and uh, and they had yeah, they really uncompromising. <laughs> Defence-orientated, uh, you know, Andrew Farrer, Chris Mortimer, um, players, just really, really tough, tough centres, you know, mm. uh, hard to, you know, they weren't worried about any. a little bit like Wally Lewis when you play against Wally. He's not yeah. worried about anybody else on the field. He's just worried about you. And so you'd pass the ball and they'd take you out. And, uh, you know, you, you, I remember I copped a high hit uh, in, the, in the first couple of minutes in that grand final by um, – Andrew Farah and uh, oh, I was just uh, I was stunned for, you know uh, so I got a bit you know I, I don't remember a lot of the game I've right. seen it um, and it was um, we in that, in that year we were probably the best team I'd, I'd yeah. say we were uh, we beat them pretty comfortably in the major semi and uh, we'd won the, uh, the, the the two lower grades so it would have been a historic year for St George and uh, and that's saying something for, for them for a club uh but we uh, that was one of the most disappointing losses, I think, in my career because uh, I, I honestly expected and we'd, d- we'd done the work through the year to win that grand final. But uh, Warren Ryan just sort of, I think, outsmarted us on the day. Um, he, um, he took full advantage of an old rule where they kicked a lot to the in goal. 
and our, our fullback um, Glenn Burgess uh, would simply take the uh, the high ball, and uh, then it was a, a line dropout back then. Mm. It wasn't uh, you didn't run out to the twenty two, yeah. so we couldn't get out of our half, and no. uh, we we spent the whole game just uh, on your tr- heels, didn't yeah, you? trying to get out of our half, and and they won. We hope you're enjoying the Michael O'Connor story. There's more to come. We talk about the 1987 grand final, about regrets, oh, and that kick. You remember it. If you're enjoying Before You Go, we'd ask you to leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast app you're currently listening on. It helps us spread the word as we continue to grow the podcast. Make sure you come back soon, legends. Legends.